Today we are interviewing a woman with many titles, a daughter, a mother, a wife, and a business owner. Kim Sanskrit is a strong, powerful woman that shines her light with family, friends, and in her work. She is changing the world by inspiring others to conquer their goals. Today we will be talking about how she challenged herself to get two degrees at the same time, as well as being a mother of twin daughters. Thank you, Mom, for joining us today and telling us your story. Thank you, Madison. I'm excited to be here. Well, to start off, for the listeners, obviously, could you tell us a little bit about yourself? Hi, yes. I am a lawyer and a psychologist, and I own a private practice where I spend most of my time evaluating youth that are going through the juvenile system, as well as some adults in the criminal system. When I'm not doing that, I'm busy being your mother and your father's wife. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Okay. So could you tell us a little bit about where you studied um, as you were becoming a psychologist and a lawyer? I attended a seven-year program at Drexel University and Villanova Law School. Um, So that took a long time, right? Writing, as you can imagine, going back and forth and really switching hats between two very different types of educations. So you seem to really have liked school. What was it about formal education that you really enjoyed? Being in graduate school was really a joy for me. I absolutely love school. I love being around um, people that are on the cutting edge of research and having all these great ideas and putting all kinds of new thoughts in your mind about all the possibilities of what you can do with your career. So even though it was seven years, that's those seven years flew by. It was something that I loved. And I always tease my parents that if I could go on for more school, I would do it. Um, but eventually, you know, it comes to an end. That is amazing. I you can even see that right now as we're going to school, Ken, Mackenzie and I, um, we're starting to really enjoy school and seeing how quick it's going by, but also seeing like all the amazing things that we're learning from education, not only in a textbook, but also um, about your personality. You're learning about who you are and um, all the different goals that you can achieve as we, as we are high schoolers and we're not even in college yet. So I couldn't even imagine juggling that kind of work between a lawyer and a psychologist. Um, a psychologist, though. That's amazing. Um, so where did you get, or first, actually, tell us a little bit about the combination of being a doctor and a lawyer. Even though psychologists and lawyers seem like they're very different, the two professions do have one commonality, which is that they're both basically helping professions. It's an exciting career in that um, I really enjoy being able to inform judges about people's mental health problems. You know, a lot of the people that come before the court are struggling with mental health problems, substance use problems, all kinds of problems. And so it's, it's an important role to be able to educate the judges about these issues as they are considering all different types of, you know, legal um, ramifications for each person that comes before them. And then also in my role as a psychologist, when I'm seeing the people, I'm hoping to make this process for them a little bit less stressful to kind of help them get through the legal, you know, going to court, that's a very scary thing for people to do. And if you have mental health problems, it's even scarier. So it's a very fulfilling career to have. There's a lot that's on the line for them. And so it does really help play a small role in just kind of educating the court, educating the person that's in the legal, you know, going before the court and to try to like have some therapeutic process. And it's just a very fulfilling career to have as you're helping the judges understand mental health and helping people as they go through a very stressful or what can be a very stressful process for most 
people that are going before judges um, and attorneys and having people watch them in the courtroom and not really understanding everything that's happening. I think that's amazing. I think sometimes people don't focus on how stressful it can be. And even people that are going into it don't know. So I think it's um, you're doing a great job of making sure that you're trying to really calm them down and give them an idea of what they're about to go through. And also that you'll be there supporting them along the way. Yeah, because if you think about for all the people, just everyday people that go before the court for a traffic ticket, you know, a speeding ticket, that's very stressful. And imagine if you had to go to a court for a much more serious charge, like, you know, um, trying to hurt someone. Then and then having mental health problems on top of it, it can be a very daunting task. And um, so I play a small I think I play a small role in helping people kind of get through that. That's great. Um, so where did you get the idea that you're going to be a psychologist and a lawyer? Was it through did you know that you were going to be a psychologist and a lawyer or either one of them when you were younger? Or is it something that you discovered as you were growing up through high school um, and even as you were graduating high school? I think that I always knew that I wanted to be a psychologist. Um, but I can very distinctly remember seeing the movie Silence of the Lambs for the first time. <laughs> and Jodie Foster, you'll have to see this movie one day, but uh, Jodie Foster was just fantastic. And she plays an FBI agent that is with, um, you know, people that have the characters have very serious mental illness and are psychopaths. And then, you know, I've been asked this question a lot, especially as I was trying to get in law school. They wanted, why do you want to do this? Why do you want to come to our school? And as I thought about it, I remembered that when I was a little girl, I would play like people's court, which is like my day's version of Judge Judy. So you know who Judge Judy is? Well, back before her, there was people's mm -hmm. court and me and my friends would have court or I would be like Harriet, the spy, spying on people. And, and so I think it was just always something that was in my nature to be curious about people. That's funny how you knew like now that you're taking a look back on your career and where you actually started discovering that you wanted to go into this, that it actually started to develop when you were at such a young age it was amazing. Um, so as you know, as everybody knows that you're a mother to Mackenzie and I, um, and our three dogs. Oh, <laughs> so where did you ever, where did you feel conflicted in your practice and in your time of studying as a student that you should, um, not give up your career, but like take a pause on your career to really, um, become a mother? Where did that happen? That realization that you wanted to become a mother and that's something that's going to be a higher priority than your study and work. So, you know, that's a tough, that's a tough question. As I think about it, when I, um, because the program was seven years, not seven years after going to undergrad, you know, you're getting older, you're getting older by the minute. So by the time I was done that or close to being done that, I was already into my thirties. And the last part of the education really requires doing an internship. And so um, I had been at a school where I was trained by like, you know, some of the best, the very best in the field. And so I had a lot of opportunities ahead of me and I could go many different places, fantastic places for um, my internship. And so as I was looking, you know, I had like one that I could go to at Harvard or one that I could go um, to at a federal prison for women. And, um, it just seemed like if I was going to take the path of being a mother, which I very much want to do, and your father and I very much want to have children, then, um, and I, I don't really know even know how I can really say this because it's not like anyone ever said it to me, but that it was going to be an easier path if I went to the federal prison, oddly enough, rather than to go to a place like Harvard. So, I turned down the opportunity to go to Harvard to 
go to what was actually ended up being a very wonderful um, internship, but so that I could um, start to a family with your father. That's that's great that you took the priority to take on a role as mother um, as turning down an amazing opportunity at a prestigious school like Harvard. Um, so I think even during that time period, I mean, time has changed. Things have changed so much. Like if you take a second to think about that was only a couple years ago where you were where I guess where this idea was um, this idea was created that if you were pregnant or um, becoming a mother and in law school, that it would be too much and maybe you'd be looked down upon in a certain way. Um, and I think in, to, in today, I don't think that's a thing anymore and see how so many ideas have changed um, in just a few years, um, which is, I think is amazing as women in the workplace as well. It is. Um, so another question I have for you is, so did you ever feel conflicted as you, so eventually you obviously you had Kenzie and I is there was there ever a time that you felt that um, it was going to be too much to take on your own private practice and to create your own private practice um, and also be a mother like was there any type of um, second that you took us is there any second that you took in where you were like I can't work any longer I'm going to be, be become sorry a stay, stay at home mom no I never I mean so I think this is something that all mothers struggle with, um, especially if they're trying to pursue a career outside the home, um, because you're constantly battling with yourself. Like, are you doing enough at home? Are you doing enough at your job? Um, and so it is something that requires a lot of balance. And, um, you know, I was in a good position in, in order to be able to control my career and my schedule and that sort of thing. So, um, that's not something that all moms are able to do, especially if they're working outside the home. And, um, and I say working outside the home because I definitely always have valued moms that work inside the home by being a stay at home mom. I always tease and I mean it fully that my job as a mother was always much harder, um, or has always been much harder than my actual job. And my actual job involves me basically talking to criminals every day. Um, so I think that says a lot. So I, I like to say, um, you know, to value the moms also that, you know, work at home because that work is hard. So it does. I think, you know, there's just a lot of pressure to try to do everything. And so you have to have good balance in order to feel good about all that you're doing. Yeah, I totally agree. I think that there is something, I think it's totally different and there's two different ways that you could go. I think being a stay at home mom is something that you should have pride on that you should take um, that you should be very grateful for the stay at home moms because they're taking on such a role for always being there with their kids and they don't even get that, like that little bit of a break almost. <laughs> I'm just saying from our little yeah. thing, but I think it's such a role to take on. So, um, as no, you still took, had the courage to take on and moms at home still have courage. I'm not saying that they don't, I'm saying that you had a lot to take on as you were studying and had two, not even one at the same time, two um, children to bring up and to um, take on. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. I think it's just one of those things where you really have to learn about balance. Um, so another question for you in our society, like in our society today, do you feel like there's like this public perception that you can't be a successful female um, and a great mom? Like at the same time, could you not run your own practice and be a great mom? Um, and if you so, 
If so, why do you think that? I don't think that there is a public perception these days that you can't be successful at both things, at being a mom and being a, a career person. Um, because women are doing everything now. And I've had such wonderful mentors, all of which, almost all of whom have been women, um, to help me along the way. And I've had, you know, a strong mother myself and other and friends all, you know, like that are all very successful business women. And so I, you know, I don't think that there's ever been a time where anyone ever said to me, I can't, Kim, you're not going to be able to do both of those things and do them well. And to the contrary, I think, you know, it's been the opposite. I've had a lot of support along the way. And I think it's great that you had so much support along the way because you have so much going on. You have to juggle um, discovering who you are in your practice um, and what you want to do and where you're, you want to take that further. And also you're raising two kids, um, two twin daughters at the same time, which is a lot to take on. So it's great that you've had um, a lot of women's support, but also in your own family um, and friends and everything in your community. So what would you say is the hardest thing that you had to do about when you're juggling all of these things? What is the hardest thing about juggling all of them? I think the hardest thing about juggling anything that you're trying to accomplish is that, you know, I believe that if you're going to do something, you better do it well. So in my job, you know, like if I'm going to see somebody or if I'm going to write a report or an evaluation some, about somebody, I, you have to just do it well. There's no cutting corners. and um, and so with that comes a lot of pressure, you know, because you're trying to work, take you guys to this place and that place and do the lunch duty and do, you know, whatever else there was, you know, go to all the different sporting events and then try to get this in. So sometimes, you know, you might go without sleep or um, might not do, you know, some of the fun things that you might want to do because you have to, um, you know, for yourself, I mean, because you have to make sure that you do the job well and that you parent well. I agree with that. I think that, I mean, I even remember you saying a time where you had to decide um, in a divorce on which parent would get full custody. Am I correct? Yes. Those are very difficult jobs. So you have to really focus on, sorry to cut you off, but you have to really focus on um, like what the, like take a lot of time. Hold on, how am I going to say this? You're going to have to take a lot of time and really read the case. And that's, that's where you have that moment of you have to do what you're best at, right? You have to make that hard decision on um, what you've learned over these years. And that's, as you said, that you have to do your best. There is no cutting corners. Well, in that situation, you're at like the, one of the hardest decisions to make. Um, and that's where you really have to take a second and read this case and really make such a profound decision. That's going to change a parent's life. That's going to change a kid's life, um, a family's life. So that's where I would say in a story that you've told me where you really have to make that like cutting edge decision that can define someone's entire life. Right. And you just want to make sure that when you're doing, you know, like if I'm doing my job or whatever job people have, if you're going to do your job, you, you have to do it well. I mean, I always like, I can get frustrated, you know, and if I see someone doing their job and they're not, and you're just like, you have one job, that's your job. You got to do it. And you have to do it well. So, um, you know, if you're going to try to be successful, then, doing um that your best is um you know absolutely necessary um i totally agree even in school today me and mackenzie as we're learning in school and we're gonna about to be seniors um 
in this in moments where we are starting to apply to colleges, you really have to see that all this time, you really have to give it your all. In the SAT tutoring that we're doing, you really have to give it your all if you want to see that improvement and you want to see the best version of yourself. So, um, and this doesn't even come as you're older. I would say all of that you're worth, we're talking about right now is it's developing right as you're a child, as you're going into school, I would say into high school is where you really have to put all foot forward and really step on the gas and really start making those goals and start achieving everything and knowing that you're capable of doing so. So it sounds in your career um, that things have gone really well for you, very successful, that you've really took took a lot of time, taken a lot of pride in your career and in the success that you've had so far. But was there ever a time where you had doubt or that you were scared? That's a really good question. It's something that I haven't ever, ever been asked, but um, I think that you have to remember that I'm the first person in my family to ever go to graduate from college. And so in a way I had to learn like what to do from other people or just by doing between before I between college and before I went to grad school, I had a really great job. Um, and the whole point of the job really for me was to get experience, but also because the people that were um, that I was working for were going to be writing letters of recommendation for me for grad school. So, you know, just like how you're going to be asking for letters of recommendation for college, that kind of never ends. You just kind of still need these letters of recommendation really you know, throughout life, you'll need recommendations for jobs and whatnot. Well, in any case, I had been working there and I had all these great um, opportunities and was sure that I would be getting really great recommendations and it would help me, you know, get into the grad school that I wanted to go to. And at some point, I can remember one of the, um, one of my mentors was a male. He was brilliant, uh, a brilliant doctor. And he called me into my into his office one night before, you know, like before the end of the workday. And he told me that he, um, you know, that he wanted to work with me more closely and that in order for and that he reminded me that he would be writing my letters recommendation or at least one of my letters recommendation for me and told me um, that I was going to have to start working much longer hours with him and, and we would be working together closely. And it was just something in my gut. That's all he ever said. You, you know, you can take it for what it's worth. Um, but in that moment, I think the scariest thing is as a young person in my mid twenties was to set a boundary. And by setting, <clears throat> excuse me, by setting a boundary, that's a hard thing to do. And I think you know what I mean by that, but just like trying to like, oh my gosh, how am I going to handle this right now in that moment? And being a young person wanting to get to grad school, wondering what the heck he's talking about. And, um, and I should probably just say like, as you know, a little bit back, the backstory of that was that some of the other women in the office had already like put thoughts in my mind about him. So God knows the man might have not even meant anything by it, but people had already planted an idea in my mind. So in any case, in that moment, um, the whole thing was, how am I, what am I going to do? And so I, you know, I handled it well. I, I never did anything crazy. I basically just told him that, you know, that I thought that I was a good worker and I could accomplish the things I needed to do during the normal business hours. And, and that was really kind of the end of that. But it was a scary moment because, you know, like I said, people put thoughts in your mind. So you have to kind of as you're going through and you're trying to pursue your career, you have to 
um, learn how to set boundaries for yourself. You need that not just for career, but for your life. And you also need to know how to weed people out a little bit. So even though the other women there put ideas in my mind, maybe this person didn't have good intentions. Um, you have to kind of think about like, are those person, is, are their intentions for me good? Or do, you know, like, what am I, am I, how much am I going to let, um, what another person thinks about someone affect my life, right? If I, if I could have really gone crazy and reported this person and like, but what did he really actually say? He didn't really say anything, just said things that were like, maybe a little bit weird. You're not really sure. And you're a young person. So I think at that time I was, you know, 20 years younger or something. So, um, that was probably the scariest thing that ever happened to me career wise, you know, because had mm -hmm. I, I could take a totally different path and then, you know, then what, right. And what could have happened? So, so I think like, as you said, in a time of where you have to, uh, where you had to make a decision for yourself and see what you were going to, what were you going to do? What path you were going to take after um, this man or this um, coworker had said to you or boss at the time, I guess, um, is where a moment that you are struck with the, where you have to say true to yourself um, and you can't let outsider like other opinions get in. Um, so what you think, like you said, you took your gut thing and said, this is kind of odd and I'm just going to, and you know that you're hard work and you can you can do what you know what to do. You can do what you've been practicing to do almost your entire life. And that's where you have that moment of spark and you have to be like, I have to stay true to myself, even if it affects or can like detriment, hurt, hurt, sorry, that's a better word, hurt, um, what this letter of recommendation is going to do for you. So that's where a moment you have to say what's going to be best for me. And even if it does affect, um, my this recommendation letter or my time in this practice that I know that at this moment I chose the right decision and I chose what was going to be best for me and I know that I could do it um and I think in the time period that you were in I think um time period is this is only a couple of years ago but in a couple of years ago that things have changed a lot but back then where you are struggling as a woman in a business right women in the workforce as they are discovering themselves, women in general, as we are all discovering ourselves and where we stand and what what we are capable of and where women empowerment um, had just become this, what would you say? I mean, I think that, so this, let me just say, let me give you a frame, time frame. It's actually like 1995 or six. <laughs> 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 it's not a couple of years ago. I like to think it was just a couple of years ago. <laughs> so anyway. Well, I was just trying to get a little better. That's all I was trying to say. Thank you. All this <laughs> Grandma, but, I will get all that. So, you know, obviously 1995-ish, um, uh, you know, women's rights were um, something that we were well aware of and that sort of thing. But I think it's much more discussed today than it was then. This was a high-stress environment, an elite-like place that I was working at. And so... Um, I think at the time it was just very difficult. It, it, it was maybe a little bit more difficult to be a female in that environment than it was uh, male, but I doubt, you know, I don't know if it continues today. I think that there's probably problems for everybody, mm -hmm. you know, depending Definitely. on different backgrounds and that sort of thing. Yeah. Just in that time frame, you are, it was a different time and then you were so young Thanks that you were. <laughs> 
It was really ancient. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just kidding. But um, where you really had to, what I was back to saying is that you really had to stick to your gut. And no matter what affected your recommendation letter, you had to say what was best for you. And I think that's where a lot of people are still probably struggling with this in their workforce um, and focusing on what's best for them, but also what's best for the reputation and in their work and what's going to help them get forward um, as well. So what would you say... I have a few more questions, okay. um, but what would you say is the biggest lesson that you have learned in all these different roles you play? I know you probably have learned lots of lessons, work environment and personally, but what is the biggest one or what is a couple of the ones that you really take away from and still take away from the different roles that you've played in the past couple years as you were discovering yourself in your workforce? Um. Well, as I mentioned, most of the work that I do um, involves working with people that have committed crimes. And so, um, and and that's really people from all walks of life, but, but mostly people that come from very um, poor backgrounds, poor in a lot of different ways, not just financially, but in all ways. Um, and every single time I can just say that um, I have... I leave it. I leave my work day with gratitude for my parents and the upbringing that I had, um, because you just don't really realize how good you have it until you talk to a bunch of people who've never had anything that was good. Um, and so I think of all the lessons I've learned is to just be grateful. And also, um, I have a lot of gratitude for the fact that the people that I see actually even accept me enough to complete the work that I have to do with them because coming from very different backgrounds um, and have very different lives. And yet, um, excuse me for all the ums, but they let me, you know, do my job and they let me do it well. And, um, and I have a lot of gratitude for that too, because it's not easy to have somebody like me, come in, ask a million questions, uh, very personal questions and, you know, bring up a lot of stuff that the people haven't talked about or thought about in a long time. And then I get to leave and go home, you know, to my life and they leave and go back to jail or to their life, which normally is in a very impoverished area. So I have a lot of gratitude that I'm able to do the job and that, and that it lets me know how good I've had it, even though, you know, I didn't grow up with all the things that they think that I might've had, but um, I still grew up with a lot. And the fact that I had two parents that were healthy and working and, and uh, did everything that they could for me so that I could be successful. Yeah, I think that's, that's a great lesson that take away from um, what you have done so far in your lifetime. And I think even today, you know, me and Mackenzie always joke about, but your parents are very um, proud of you. I think they instill that into me and Mackenzie and they let you but they definitely let us know that you, all of you done, right? <laughs> they definitely, but I think they should be proud. I think they, you are something to be proud of, but, um, but we always joke about that, but I'm just saying that um, even to today, they still let us know that they're very proud of you as a 45. Okay. I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> You're all. That's good. You don't have to say age. In the podcast, okay. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, so what is, so after that lesson, what is the biggest lesson that you try to instill in me and Mackenzie to this day? 
Um, other than, you know, some of the things that we've talked about, I think one of the biggest things that I want for you guys is for you to have um, independence, to really value that, to develop something of your life that is for yourself. Um, so in other words, like if you look at your, my relationship with your dad, we have two very different things, you know, two different, two very different careers. I have my career, he has his career and they're not dependent upon each other. And it is very important. And I feel like that's very important. Um, I'm not saying that I, I need you to have a career. I'm just saying that I want you to have independence, that you have something that, that is for you. Um, so that whenever, you know, you go, when you're in life, you can take care of yourself. I think if you are doing something that makes you happy and that you can, um, and that, you know, that you can take care of yourself. I mean, I think there's probably no greater wish than just to know that you've developed a career, whatever it is, a family that is something that gives you joy and independence so that you rely, you learn to rely on yourself. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. You're not going to, you don't, and I'm not saying that it's bad to rely on other people. I'm just saying that if all, if there was one thing that I wish for you the most is that, that you would be a self-reliant person. You know, I think, um, me and Mackenzie feel that because ever since we were little, we've done things very independently. Uh, well, some things I would say, not all things, but even if it's like you guys encouraging us to do what we want to do. And obviously we took the same route with sports and school and everything, but you were always supporting us to do what made us happy, but also that we could um, almost push ourselves into doing. Hence, like, I think me and Mackenzie want, have wanted to start like many companies um ever since we were younger um and as that might be like a little silly thing I mean you I'm very I'm being independent with and all of this independence that you've taught me and that I've taken on like in this podcast me cream my own podcast in running a marathon it only I'll only be well 16 now but I'll be 17 at the time um but everything that we're doing in you know school as we start to work in our own jobs, um, we're taking that lesson away and we're like taking it with us. And I think um, you can see that in all the things that we're starting to develop in our lives today. But I think that you don't realize that you've been doing it in more ways than just working and stuff like that. I mean, um, ever since you've been able to, like if you go to the doctor, I don't answer for you, you answer for yourself. And I think that's important because it's, it's a lesson that I've wanted you guys to know to be, to learn how to speak for yourself. You've been doing that since you were a little kid because I don't know if you'll remember, but there was a time that we got a Kellogg cereal. It was supposed <laughs> to have a prize Me in too. the box. And the cereal came without the prize. And like spoon. Like I don't spoon. know what it, it was, was but it was something that you wanted. So the cereal box was supposed to come with a spoon. I don't know. If that makes more clarity on it. Yeah, but. you know how like there's little prizes in cereal boxes. Well, in any case, the box came without the spoon and Madison got right on the phone with Kellogg's. <laughs> and I think she was about eight. And I was like, give me two now. <laughs> Since you forgot the first one, give me two. <laughs> and let's just say that a few days later in the mail came a plastic spoon from Kellogg's. <laughs> and so I think that that, but, you know, and I'm laughing about that, but that truly is what I think is important for you and for girls is to be able to speak for yourself or, you know, like even yeah. it's the little things. I mean, when, if, 
uh, if the doctor is talking to you, your physical, you know, like I, I can answer the questions, but you're sitting right there and you're 16, 15, whatever age, 12, you can answer the questions. And if you need help, I'm there to help you. But, um, it's, it's part of you developing your own voice. And I think that's just so important. And that's what I mean about you becoming an independent person. Yeah. And even another example is what I can, what comes to mind as you say that is as we were starting to find out, um, like which high school we were going to. So we were in eighth grade and we were starting to find out what high school we were going to. And we had, went, we had gone to this high school fair. At, we might've been in like seventh, eighth grade is whenever we started to look at college. I mean, at high schools, not colleges, at high schools. Um, and, you know, you have the admissions people at each table at, each, at the fairs for each school. And um, I remember you, you're not going up and introducing us you 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 and dad had made us and I think at the time we had felt comfortable because we had already in like we already had had this independence um but you had made us go up and introduce ourselves to the admissions people and say why we why we like this school and how our journey has been with like um figuring out what school we want to go to and I think that's another lesson right now as we're starting to go into college as like we about, we're about to leave like an hour to go on college tours <laughs> and <laughs> and um i'm excited to see that you know you'll see the maturity and the independence as we go and we're going to start to go in up and introduce ourselves to students and ask them about their journey and their what they take away from their time at the school and really get a, a feel for the school but little things like in school that's just another example i can think of is where we really um our independence have, has shined where we like we shown our independence always wanted you to do those types of things. Like, you know, like if we're in a restaurant, order your food or just all those little things, because it's all part of an effort to show you how to, or to give you, you know, to empower you, to show you that, you know, that even though you're a little kid at the point, at that point, or even a young teenager, a young adult now that you have a voice of your own and you can, and you're going to be able to manage your life. Right. So great, 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 great. So now I have one final question. As I sit here, my podcast is all about um, female empowerment. Um, and I really want a lot of young girls to find their, find their voice, find their self-worth through this podcast and in their, in their everyday lives. Um, I have one question that is, do you feel society is becoming more open to female empowerment? Um, and if so, how much further do we have to go to really, um, broaden it. Excuse me. I do think that I do feel like society is becoming more open to female empowerment, empowerment, but, um, you know, I think there's probably some ways to go now. I don't want to get political or, you know, or anything like that. But I think if you look at, um, some of the past few elections and, you know, right now we have obviously a female vice president and whether or not a person likes her or voted for her, it is interesting to see the different ways that she is perceived or criticized uh, by the news media um, relative to her male counterparts, uh, you know, and that's been going on for a long time. So I think that, um, you know, that's just one example of a woman in, le- uh, in leadership role, um, but a big, you know, a big leadership role, the vice president of the United States. Um, and so I think that, Obviously, society is becoming more open because there she is. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of women in other high-powered jobs and positions. Um, and there's a lot more discussion of it. But I just think that there's a, a lot more room to grow 
as a society because I think that um, we'll probably, you know, like with growth, there'll be less conversation about, you know, how a woman looks, what she's wearing, um, and those kind of comments. Hopefully one day those will be things that, you know, are left. You don't hear those kinds of things anymore. Right. And I think um, if my answer was to this question, becoming more open to female empowerment, I think female empowerment is becoming something that is talked about on a daily basis. As I start this, own, start, have started this own podcast, and this is only my second episode in, um, we can see that as I start to really research about these strong, powerful women in our, in our society, in our community, we see women becoming CEOs, women, an all women built house. Um, we see people, even like women every day taking on the role of stay at home moms, women taking the role on the role as moms, adopting everything that you have to think of. I see all these women coming out and I think it's something that's becoming, um, very aware on social media, women, female empowerment, even young girls. And that's why I'm doing all of this is to really um, have people know that they are worthy as women and that female are really, um, female are really changing the world. And I think as women's rights um, back then had become, as it was becoming the thing um, today, we are starting to really empower. We're starting to really empower each other as I am through this podcast and women and on social media. So I think it's becoming a great thing, but I do think that we have a, a while to go. I think we have, we are just starting. I think we've been just starting for a little bit and it's really time to people that have realized we can make our mark and to get involved. Oh, um, so any last thoughts? On no, that? I agree with you. I mean, I think that people have been having these conversations actually for a long time about um, female rights and that sort of thing. So I think that, it's good that it's just continuing and even in younger generations, like you've mentioned. Okay, great. I totally agree with that. And I think um, the conversations are where it needs to begin and where um, these are happening. So have the conversations in community about it. One last question okay. that dad had, oh dad, had <laughs> dad had emailed me. Dad had emailed me just now to ask you. Um, he said, Okay, this is a question, by the way, everyone. Dad just, I just got an email from Dad. Chad Sanchegrin to ask this question to the best guest that will ever be on this podcast, oh Kimberly Sanchegrin. <laughs> so, um, what is it like? Um, sorry. Why? <laughs> <laughs> gotta be serious. What is it like to be, to marry such an amazing husband like Chad Sanchegrin? I mean, you really hit the lottery with oh that one. God. This is a whole nother episode. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what's, what's a quick answer for it? <laughs> oh, well, it is really something. <laughs> I mean, you're something to experience. <laughs> what well, he is really, he really is actually something. I mean, your dad, um, he's been just a person that really grows and you, you know, and pushes me too. And so I think, um, it's actually been, you know, wonderful, although <laughs> we're laughing about it. The dad is yeah. the best. He's very supportive. Yeah. That's a whole another, we, we all did. We all did. Everybody that knows Chad Sanchegrin hit the jackpot. <laughs> there is no lottery. Right, right. The money doesn't matter. It's all <laughs> Chad Sanchegrin's book. But anyway, so that's great. Um, he just sent me that little, Thing to really hit off the episode and make it really close it out. Well, I want to thank you for being on my second 
episode here at Girls Who Run the World podcast. Um, it was great. The conversation we had about great was great. Um, thank you for sharing your story with not only me, some things I learned myself, but with the listeners. And I think um, just discovering yourself in in your work, whether it's a stay at home mom or whether it's a career that you're taking on, another career in school that you're taking on, really know that you. Um, you are capable of so much and that you can really push yourself like mom did Kim, as Kim, little Miss Kim Santagrin, my mom, as she took on the role of doing, taking on the role of getting two degrees at once, not only one, but two, um, just to spice it up a little bit. Um, but thank you so much for joining me today. Um, and we'll see you all next time on girls who run the world podcast. Thank you. Peace.